Good morning. Good to be with you here this morning. For those who don't know me, I'm not Pastor Carlos. I don't dress as well as he does. I don't preach as well as he does. But I will tell you one thing. I'm going to give it my best this morning. And if nothing else, my best will make you be excited when he comes back here in a few weeks. So, <laughs> uh, It is an honor to be here this morning. Uh, I am one of the elders here at Midtown. Um, and it's been a joy for my family and I to be here. We came in... Uh, 2021 in the summer of 2021 to help launch this campus and I don't think we knew what to expect I'm sure many of you here didn't know what to expect but God has used this campus really mightily in our lives and the lives of the people here uh, and we're excited to be here um, pictured on the screen I want to introduce you to my family my beautiful wife Sarah uh, my oldest son Sam who's 16 my 11 year uh, my 14 year old son Sam Eli my 11 year old son Jude and then our beautiful daughter, Gracie May. Um, we've just been overwhelmed by God's goodness to us, uh, and I want to share with you a little bit about that this morning. I've always followed the rules of public speaking that said you should tell a story or a joke to engage the audience to begin. But uh, my boys told me this morning I couldn't share any stories that started with, well, when I was a kid. And so that's all the stories I know, so I'm going to skip past that and move on. To the next. So, how did I come to be standing here this morning? Well, sometime this uh, spring, Carlos, Pastor Carlos, sent an email out to several in the congregation and said, "Would we be open, interested in preaching? We're going to be covering the book of Proverbs this this year or this summer, and will we be able to preach?" He said, "We could choose from a list of words, words like friendship and work and wisdom, and prepare a message on that." Well, those of you that know me know. Sometimes, most of the time, probably all the time, I like to do my own thing. And so I told Pastor Collis, well, I'll pray about it. And truthfully, I hoped he would forget, but he's persistent. So he sent an email again, and he said, would you be open to preach? I said, sure. I'll preach this morning, but I really want to do my own word. I don't want to pick one from the list that you, that you picked. So I want to share a word. I told him I want to share a, a message about a word that has been really meaningful to myself and to our family, given uh, some trials that we have walked through and really still are walking through. And so Pastor Carl is very gracious, and he said, sure, you can preach whatever word you'd like. So the word that I chose this morning is hope. I want to share with you a message about hope this morning that I've really had to remind myself daily in the past years. It's a message that our hope is found in Christ and in Christ alone. For my family, the last few years have been really challenging. Um, Obviously, for everybody in the world, the global pandemic in 2020 was a challenging time. But for us, it started even before that. In 2019, my father was diagnosed with cancer. And then in 2021, my wife's uh, mother passed away. Uh, in 2023, this year in February, my father passed away from his cancer. And then just a month later, my, one of my sons was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. So if I'm honest with you, I've wrestled with God over the questions of why. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why is this your plan for our lives? And through this time, I've really been reminded of the scripture that says, you know, as a believer, we have hope. We have confidence in the future. Not because of anything that we can do, but because of Jesus' work on the cross. So I want to look at that idea of hope this morning, specifically from the book of, of Proverbs and from the book of Hebrews. And my prayer for each of you today is that you'll leave here with a renewed hope, not just for this year, but for the years to come, and that your renewed hope will be found only in Christ. So, if you will, open your Bibles if you have them, and turn first to Hebrews 10, 19 through 25, and I want to read that 
to you. Hebrews 10, 19-25. It says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us, through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed pure with water. And this is a key verse here. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of some, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day drawing near. This morning, I want to tell you a story of hope. It's really a story of hope when all hope seemed lost. And it's a story of how our God works in a profound way in the lives of people. The story goes back to 1971 on a warm summer night in 1971. An Air Force captain, highly decorated, a Gold Star recipient, was on leave from his post in the Vietnam War in Thailand, traveling home to see his mother. Uh, in the late at night, he rear-ended a car that was going 20 miles an hour with no lights on. He was knocked unconscious, his car caught fire, and he was burned very badly from the waist down. Medics airlifted him to, from Nevada to San Antonio to Brook Army Medical Center, one of the top burn wards in the country, where his legs, both of his legs, were amputated. As the captain lay there in his hospital bed, all hope seemed lost. His promising military career was over and he lost all hope. Two days before this, though, a young private had reported for duty in San Antonio. Uh, she had come from Michigan. She had come from a loving family, but not a family of believers. And she had joined the Army and come to Texas looking for a career, searching for meaning and purpose in her life, and searching for hope. You see, hope is often seen as an illusion to people in this world. I've read of cynics who said that he who lives on hope will die starving. A German philosopher, Arthur Schopenhauer, said that hope is the bait by which nature gets her hooks in our nose and then makes us serve her interests. That's the world's common view of hope, a deceptive and a fleeting thing. That's not the hope of the New Testament. Paul makes faith, hope, and love the virtues of our Christian faith when he writes, but now abide faith, hope, and love. He speaks also of the patience of hope, and that hope is not a shame. All through the New Testament, hope is spoken of in a way that is esteemed, is lifted up. In our text this morning, even the author from the book of Hebrews proclaims a daring enigma in verse 23 when he says, holding fast the confession of our hope without wavering. You see, I think in our world today, you never hear the word hope and unwavering used in the same sentence. So why such a sharp contrast in our ideas of hope? The contrast of an illusion versus a steadfast reality, a dream versus a fact, a lower hope versus a higher hope. We know that true hope cannot be both, so is it the hope, is the hope the folly of the world? Or is it the hope of the scripture? To answer these questions is not difficult. In fact, the answer is the scripture and the world are speaking of two different things. There is a higher hope and a lower hope, and there is a genuine quality and a counterfeit. There is a real article, and there is a substitute. 
The hope in the world today is often optimism. Optimism is a quality that is praised by many, boasted about by people who have it. The quality my wife and my children wish I had more of. And while as society we appreciate optimism, we often, I think, confuse optimism with true hope. And I think that explains the world's cynical perspective about hope. See, confidence, which has no solid foundation, looks silly when the crushing disappointments come. Looking at the bright side of things may seem bold and brave, but often it involves ignoring the facts of the situation, which only adds to the bitterness of the failure. When everything is said and done, the hope of this world, the lower hope, is really a poor counterfeit for the real thing. It flourishes where there is no depth of soil, and then it quickly withers away. How different is all this hope, though, from the hope of the Scripture? As believers, we go forward day by day, filled not with a foolish optimism, not with a wavering hope, but we have a firm hope built on the quiet and unquenchable hope that's drawn from the deep source of our faith. I'll submit to you this morning that our hope is based on two key ideas. First, that the truth is indestructible, and second, that our God, who is our stronghold, is on his throne. Let's talk first about the indestructibility of the truth. If you go back to Hebrews 10, 19 through 25, the writers of Hebrews remind us that now since we have a full assurance of faith, the washing of our hearts from Jesus, we can now hold the confession of our hope without wavering. You see, through the blood of Jesus is how we can draw near with a full assurance of our faith. This is the truth that our world so desperately needs. This is the truth that points people to hope. And that truth is mighty. The truth of the gospel is that Jesus was nailed to the cross, that he died he was taken down and buried in a tomb. It was sealed with a great stone. But on the third day, just like we sang about this morning, that truth, Jesus Christ, rose again over sin and death. John Milton, the great Puritan poet, wrote in Paradise Lost, Though all the winds of doctrine were let loose to play upon the earth, so truth be in the field. We do injuriously to misdoubt her strength. Let her and falsehood grapple. Whoever knew the truth put to the worse in a free and open encounter. For, for who knows not that the truth is strong next to the Almighty God? She needs no policies or strategies to make her victorious. Give her but room and do not bind her when she sleeps. In other words, John Milton is saying truth wins every time. And the truth needs no help to win. For this world, the truth of the gospel wins every time. Mankind needs only to hear that truth and believe. It's a truth that's indestructible. In that hospital bed in 1971, the Air Force captain searched for hope and searched for truth. And God was at work. You see, the head physical therapist who was assigned to the burn ward that the captain was recovering in, he had walked with the Lord for many, many years and was a believer. And over daily physical therapy sessions, often grueling, often disheartening, learning to live life without legs, the physical therapist shared that truth with the captain. And several weeks into what would be a, about a year-long rehabilitation, 
The captain came to know Christ and the truth of the gospel. That is the first foundation of our hope. The indestructibility of truth, that when all around us is uncertain, when all around us is changing, we find our hope in that unchanging, indestructible truth of the gospel. The second foundation of our confident hope is that our God, who is our stronghold, is on his throne. I've often wondered, I think we all often wonder, why God seems so far away during times of despair, during times of trial, during times of hardship. I know I often have a view of God as the great puppet master, orchestrating my life for his good pleasure. That's not true. That's not how it is. God, the reality of it is he is on his throne and he is our refuge. The book of Proverbs addresses it well when it talks about God as our fortress. If you will, turn over to Proverbs 14, verse 26. Proverbs 14, 26. The verse says, In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge. In this verse, the writer of Proverbs emphasizes how the fear of the Lord, which encapsulates our trust and our hope in Jesus Christ, provides a secure foundation. It's not a hope that is a fleeting wish, but a sturdy fortress providing comfort and security. I love to watch movies and shows about uh, medieval times. I'm fascinated with castles and particularly attacks on castles, and it always seems so easy for the guys in the castle to pick off the guys who are running through the field trying to scale the walls, they win most of the time. The reason is the castle is the fortress, the stronghold sitting high on a hill, it's almost impenetrable. That's how it is with our God. When the trials of the world attack, our God is impossible to overcome. Flip over a few more chapters to Proverbs 18, verse 10. Proverbs 18, verse 10 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. This verse tells of the hope that we place in God and the Lord as our safe haven. The notion that in times of turmoil and uncertainty, we find refuge and strength in the protection of the Lord. It's a powerful illustration of hope. It's a picture of a ship tossed at sea by every wave, who, who finally finds an inlet and harbor where the seas are calm and the waves are gone. But even with that assurance from the Scripture, from Proverbs, that God is our stronghold and our safe, safe haven, why does he still seem so far away during our trials? You know, it's a question that has puzzled many people through history. It puzzled the psalmist David. If you read the Psalms, he many times asked the Lord, why are you so far away? Why are you so far from me? It perplexed the prophets who often cried out to God during uh, times of captivity for the nation of Israel and said, oh Lord, please deliver us. I think it troubled Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane when they showed up in all their forces to take away Jesus. And he was left ineffectual in his ability to defend him. I think something that night crushed his soul and he thought, why did Jesus, the Son of God, suffer evil? Why did the same person who had healed the sick with a word, who had raised the dead with a word, not destroy this evil with just one word? 
And yet he humbly allowed them to lead him away to the cross and of his own will bowed his head and suffered that anguish on the cross. I think Peter probably stumbled off into the darkness and said, why, Lord? I don't understand. But I think these verses from Proverbs summarize the essence of hope in a really deep and profound way. The understanding that we have a refuge in God provides a basis for a strong and unwavering hope. It's a foundation of hope that will stand the test of time. The foundation of hope that whether in times of peace or in times of turmoil, no matter what challenges we face, the fortress and the foundation of our God is our hope. Our eternal hope is only through him. See, in 1971, newly arrived to San Antonio to start her physical therapy training, the young Army private was assigned to the same unit as the Air Force captain. Over the months to come as they worked together, she saw in him a newfound hope that he had not had before and a new confidence that God was on his throne and that God was in control despite really dire circumstances. And so the captain shared with her the truth of the gospel and through his testimony, she came to know the Lord and saw the faithfulness of God. Let me remind us all that though you've heard it preached many, many times before, I'm sure, God does not work our way. His power and his might always find the perfect expression, not always in destroying evil, as often we wish that he would, but really in the power to draw to himself. With infinite patience, he seeks the lost and the wicked, and our task really is this, to have patience with the patience of God. I often remember my own stubborn resistance to his grace. I think we probably all can. We remember his long patience with us. I know I can. Through all the years when we were proud in our sin, it shouldn't be too hard for us to have patience with the patience of God. I'm going to challenge you to accept this fact, even though it's hard. And believe me, with what the Lord has done in my life and the life of our family the last few years, it's hard. God does not work our way. The cross symbolizes both his power and his wisdom. He meets all the hatred of wicked men, all the sin of wicked men, with love. And even in the hour of the triumph of wickedness, his only reply on the cross was a prayer. And today he does sit on his throne. He is uncompromising about sin, and it's foolish to interpret that restraint as weakness. The eternal God will vindicate the righteous in his good time. The world can only work his way. I think out of the chaos of these times, the chaos of our lives, my own life, it often seems out of control, but the will of God will ultimately be done on earth as it is in heaven. For you see, two years later, the Air Force captain and the Army private, both having tasted of the goodness of God, both having seen the work of God in their circumstances and in their lives, were married. And I've been blessed to call them my father and my mother. God will never leave us or forsake us. The scripture promises that. The cross is the promise of that. It's the indestructible truth 
that no matter what is going on around us, no matter how the world is shaking, God is on his throne. When the challenges of the world close in, the challenges of the world make us feel hopelessly lost, we must turn to the truth of the cross. We must turn to the truth of the gospel and the assurance that God sits on his throne, faithful and unchanging. When all around us is shaking, that is our unshakable hope. Let me pray for us. Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you for the truth of the hope that is found only in you. Father, I thank you for the words from Proverbs that say our hope is in you and that you are our refuge and our fortress and you are our firm foundation. Father, I pray as much in my own life as I do in the lives of others here this morning. Father, see that unshakable hope in our lives. May we cling to you during the times of trial, the times of hardship. And more importantly, Lord, may we go forth from here and share the truth of that unshakable hope with those in the world around us. Father, we give you thanks this morning for the message from your word. Lord, I pray that you would go with us this morning and encourage us in the truth of the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.